0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Yes, I am the same person on that video. I did get a haircut. Praise the Lord. Oh, man. And I trimmed my beard. And my wife is praising the Lord for that one. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak with you guys this morning. It really is an honor. And we really do have an amazing pastor. I love him, not just because he's my father-in-law, but because he's awesome. And it's just great to be here. Now, I want to start today with somewhat of an unorthodox question. Uh, I want you to think of what comes to your mind when you hear this phrase, Dude, quit acting like a child. Now, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is, why is he calling me Dude? Which I understand, you know, I'm still young enough to get away with it, and I like that word. So just, you know, bear with me on that one. But, you know, that's a fair question. But maybe what else is coming to your mind is that, you know, that doesn't sound like a very good compliment, does it? That's kind of that's an insult. If you don't want to compliment someone, then the thing you should not say, right, you should never compliment someone by saying, man, <laughs> you are such a child, Right? That's going to make people feel weird. Like, what what do you mean I'm a child? But have you ever thought about why it is that we feel like that's so weird? I mean, it seems like when you call someone a child, what you're saying is they're lacking in some essential ability or strength. And our culture tells us that that's not good. You should not lack in strength. Only the strongest survive. Right? You've got to do things right. You've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You have to do things right. But, you know, my prayer, my hope is that by the end of this talk today, that if someone ever comes to you and says, man, you're acting like a child, you might just say, thanks. We're going to talk about a really interesting passage today. Where Jesus comes to us and he says that we have to approach him and we have to accept him as a child. And I want, I want to kind of set up the context for us today. Jesus, we're going into the book of Luke, and Jesus has been ministering in Galilee where he grew up. But now Jesus is done in Galilee. Luke 9.51 It tells us, we don't have a slide for it, but it tells us that Luke, that Jesus resolutely set himself out for Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem because he knew that's where his mission that God had given was going to be completed, that he was going to be arrested, tried, and crucified for the sins of humanity. And so in the midst of this travel narrative that we have, before Jesus gets to Jerusalem, there's a couple of episodes we have. And right in the middle of this episode, of this travel, we have this time where Jesus is meeting with young children. It's Luke 18, 15 through 17. Now, people were even bringing their babies to him, that's Jesus, for him to touch. That's to bless. But when the disciples saw it, they began to scold those who brought them. But Jesus called for the children, saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not try to stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Verse 17, I tell you the truth, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Of course, the question that naturally comes to mind, a couple of questions, is what, are the, what is the kingdom of God? And don't worry, we're going to get to that. And what does it mean to receive it like a child? Now, whenever you hear that, every one of us has a specific image we have of a child in our minds, right? Maybe some of you, it's like, oh, the innocence. I long for the innocence of the child. Maybe some of you, is like, oh, it's just their carefree nature, man. They just do whatever they want, you know? They're just so carefree in life. But maybe, on the other hand, some of you are thinking, snot, dirty diapers, temper tantrums. Right? Or maybe it's just a mix of those two things. Well, we need to be very careful that we don't take our preconceived notions of what Jesus is talking about and implant them into the text and say that's what it means to receive the kingdom. Because I believe Jesus gives us a serious clue. That the book, that the author of the book of Luke, gives us a very serious clue as to what Jesus means. This and when we actually begin to understand what he's meaning, I'm telling you, it is absolutely astonishing what Jesus means. And the clue is this the people were bringing their babies to Jesus, these were infants, these were babies that needed to be carried by their parents still. And it was to these babies, these infants, that Jesus directed this teaching. They were the example that Jesus was using. Our entire life, this world tells us a specific way that we have to approach the things that we come in contact with. The way we approach our careers, the way we approach our relationships, the way we approach our finances, this world and this culture gives us a specific way. And what Jesus is saying is that none of that will work when it comes to my kingdom. And if you want to accept my kingdom, the thing I have for you, you have to accept it on my terms, not yours and not this culture's terms. So with that in mind, I want to try to kind of understand what Jesus is telling us to do. And I, want to, I want you to notice in Luke 18, 15, I'm going to read it here for you, that it says, but when the disciples saw it, they began to scold those who brought them. In other words, the disciples are saying, listen, stop wasting Jesus' time with these babies. They're a waste of his time. He's got other more important things to do. They didn't understand. And Jesus completely flips the script on them, and he, in Luke 18, 16, says, But Jesus called for the children, saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not try to stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And you see that the disciples rebuke, but Jesus calls. And I'm going to just take a side note for a second and step on my family life director podium and just say one thing, please do not underestimate your child or the child in your life their ability to know and love jesus christ he loves them and he wants to know them and they should know him all right i'm going to take a step off that podium now i just wanted to say you know we have kids ministries back there that we want you to take your kids to because we want them to know jesus and he wants to know them too all right but jesus the next thing he says is so amazing He says, I tell you the truth, Luke 18, 17, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And in order to really understand how astonishing it really is that Jesus says this, we need to take a look at the context. And what I mean is what comes before and what comes after. Immediately before this, it's in Luke 18, 9 through 14, Jesus tells a parable, a story. He tells a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee, he comes to the temple. And you guys may have heard this before, but Pharisees were part of one of the most religious and influential religious groups and political parties in Jesus' time. All right? They were big dogs. And he comes to the temple, and he's praying this prayer, and he's saying, I'm so glad, God, that you didn't make me like these other sinners, especially this tax collector. Now, the tax collector was a traitor because he collected taxes for Rome, and that was a big no-no. No one liked the tax collector, all right? Things haven't changed much in 2,000 years. But no one liked the tax collector, okay, all right? But this tax collector comes and he says, God, I'm a sinner, I'm imperfect, and I'm unworthy. And to everyone's shock, guess who Jesus says went home right before God? The tax collector. Okay, so we have this story. Then we have Jesus, who's accepting children. Okay, and then right after that, we have the story of Jesus' Jesus' interaction with a rich, young, influential leader. And this leader comes up to him, and he starts talking to Jesus, and he says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to receive your kingdom? All right? And Jesus says to you, Jesus, obey the rules that God gave you. He assures him, I obeyed the rules. And this is what happens next. It's in Luke 18, 22 through 23. And it says, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. (laughs) This part's amazing. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was extremely wealthy. This rich, young, influential ruler and leader, he had an amazing life by any standard, but he did not have what it takes to receive God's kingdom. A Pharisee, a rich young ruler, and a baby. Sounds like a corny joke, doesn't it? But you know, all these stories are placed side by side, and all of them refer to the kingdom of God. Now, I want to explain what the kingdom of God is just very briefly. Everyone has an idea of what their perfect world is. Everyone has an idea of how things ought to be. And God's kingdom is the place where everything is as it ought to be. Now I want you to fill in this, I want you to fill in this sentence. Okay? My life ought to be better in blank. And whatever came to your mind, I want you to fill it in with whatever in your life you think ought to be better. And I want you to keep that in mind, and I want you to understand that every single one of your hopes and dreams, all of your ought to be's out there, will be fulfilled in Jesus' kingdom. Because Jesus knows exactly how to make a perfect world. We all have our ideas of what perfection is and what a perfect world is, but Jesus not only has an idea... But Jesus knows exactly how to get us to that perfect world, and Jesus has the power to do it. And he promises that he will. Maybe your ought to be was your career. If only I got that promotion, things would be amazing. Maybe your ought to be is that relationship. If only he loved me. Maybe your ought to be is a perfect marriage. Maybe it's a happy family. Maybe it's better finances. We all have an ought to be. But you know, the Pharisee had an ought to be. His ought to be was everyone ought to be righteous like me. The rich young leader, he had his ought to be. If only there were more rich young leaders in this world. But Jesus had an ought to be too. And Jesus ought to be. Was you ought to be like a baby. Everything this culture has told you about the perfect world, Jesus reverses. See, there's only one way to receive God's kingdom like a baby. And there's a few implications for this that I want to think about. And the first is this God's kingdom is not a prize to be claimed, but a gift. To be received. When you think about it, they had to receive God's kingdom. And when you think about a baby, everything from the beginning of its life is a gift. Absolutely everything. It hasn't done anything to earn what it has. Everything is given as a gift. And in, and Jesus is saying, in other words, that you cannot earn the right to be a part of my kingdom. You can only accept it as a gift. Now, I don't know a ton about being a father because I haven't been one yet. But I can guarantee one thing. The moment I lay eyes on my child, I am going to love that child with a deep and fierce love. Why? Because that's my baby. And that child will have done nothing at all to deserve that love. It's only because it's mine. And see, that's how God sees us. He sees us as his children. And it's not about what we have done and the things we're going and what we have earned. But it's about what God has done and his ability. And it's all grounded in his character. This is going to be kind of hard for some of you today because you've earned everything you have. And there's nothing wrong with hard work. God wants us to work hard. He wants us to move towards goals. But we have to understand when it comes to God's kingdom, you can only receive it as a gift. And this is acknowledging to God that we're imperfect people that need his love and affection and mercy. We have to acknowledge we're needy people. And that's going to be kind of tough for some of you today. But you know it's the starting point and foundation of every true spiritual growth. Without this component, without this foundation, you cannot grow the way you need to. And if you have the idea that God owes you because you've done more good than bad, or you've given a lot to charity, or you've never really hurt anybody, at least not physically, or you've, lived, you know, you've done pretty well, that attitude is not going to get you where you need to be with God. It's a gift to be received, not a prize to be claimed. There's only one way to receive God's kingdom, like a baby. You know, once we receive God's kingdom as a gift, this is going to pave the way to the second implication. And I see here, I think God's telling us, is that God's kingdom requires total dependence. One of the idols of our country is independence. We believe independence is a great thing, and we also use, like, Negative words like codependence, right, to to describe unhealthy relationships. And independence is a good thing. I mean, we hold it at the top of our priorities, right? Teenagers want to be independent from parents. Well, at least from rules, not so much from the money part, you know what I'm saying? But at least from the rules, all right? You know, we want to be independent from our bosses. We want to be independent from everyone. We value independence, and there's nothing wrong with that. Except this, when it comes to God's kingdom, that is a completely and totally false idea. Babies are completely and totally dependent on their parents, aren't they? From the very time the baby is in the womb, its dependence on his mother is absolutely obvious. And this continues for years after birth, sometimes 30 years after birth. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, this dependence continues. And we have to say to ourselves that each day, every breath we have is a gift from God. We're completely and totally dependent on God for everything, for our provision, for our life. And each day is a new day to realize that I depend on God. No spiritual growth and no achievement can be gained on your efforts alone. You are completely and totally dependent on God. And what this is going to require is this is going to require you to say, I cannot conquer that addiction. I cannot save my marriage. I cannot raise these godly children like I want to. I cannot do these things that I know I want to do without God. I'm totally dependent on God. Some of you are going to need to take a magic marker and write in your mirror so you wake up in the morning, say, I am totally dependent on God. Some of you are going to have to get out your iPhones. You're going to have not now, but you're going to have to get out your iPhones. You're going to have to put alarms that say, hey, remember, you're dependent. Because we forget this. You know, we celebrate on the 4th of July Independence Day. But the first time you start following Jesus Christ, that's your Dependence Day. And everything you do from that day forward You're dependent on Jesus. This is going to require a shift in our attitude that's countercultural, to say the least, but is absolutely necessary to receive God's kingdom. Because remember, there's only one way to receive God's kingdom, like a baby. And once we receive God's kingdom as a gift, and once we receive it with total dependence, naturally comes the next thing. We have to receive God's kingdom with organic trust. God's kingdom requires organic trust. Now, I know when you're thinking organic, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is dollar signs. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, my wife, bless her heart, she's starting to get organic stuff. And I understand she wants the baby to be healthy, but I'm like, $6 for a gallon of milk? But, you know, it's okay. It's all right. You know, organic is cool. But what I mean What they mean, what I want us to see, is that this organic trust, it means it's natural. See, a baby has no other choice, does it, but to trust its parents. It can't, you know, get into a situation to kind of examine logically the options. And well, you seem like the most trustworthy of all options to me right now. No, 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 no. A baby has to trust. It's got no other choice. And we have to receive God's kingdom with organic, natural, instinctual, whatever you want to say, automatic trust in Jesus Christ. When I was in college, I was going through a really tough time. I had come off the heels of a really bad relationship that had left some scars. All right, and I was starting to struggle internally. You know what I'm saying? Just like a struggle internally as to what God wanted me to do. And I started thinking, you know, all these other college kids, they do whatever they want. They believe whatever they want. They go party. They don't feel bad. At least it doesn't seem like they do. They do whatever they want. Why can't I do that? I mean, I started to really think. of I mean, I was struggling with this tension. And the inner tension came to a boil. And then I realized it hit me like a bolt of lightning that I had no other choice but to trust Jesus. See, and I had experienced Jesus. I knew him. I'd met him. I'd seen his provision in my life. And when I came to the realization that I had no other choice, it was so liberating because I had no other choice, but it was the best possible choice I could make. And I remember Jesus spoke to me in my heart, and I felt it. I felt God speak to me, and he said, do you trust me? Do you trust that I have your best intentions in mind? Do you trust that I know where you're supposed to go? Do you trust that all those things that this world wants you to do are going to lead you to a place you don't want to be and away from me? And I had to say, yes, I do trust. And I had to realize that as I continued to choose to trust Jesus Christ, that it was going to become automatic, and I had no other choice to do it. That means when the bank account is empty, I trust Jesus. That means when the diagnosis is malignant, I trust Jesus. (laughs) That means when they want to leave and they don't want to reconcile anymore, I trust Jesus. That means when tragedy strikes, whatever situation happens, whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're in health or you're sick, no matter what, you trust Jesus. And as you continually say to yourself, because we're not babies. We have a will, and we have to trust Jesus. But as you continue to do it, and you continue to ask God to help you have that organic trust, it's going to become your default. I've seen it. I've seen it in Pastor Gil's life. I've seen it in Kelly's life, my mother-in-law. I've seen it in my parents' life. Time and time again, you can talk to the people, the miracles, the stories, and you see that when people organically and naturally and automatically trust Jesus Christ, it's absolutely the best thing they can do. There's only one way to receive God's kingdom, like a baby. What really makes this passage amazing is how Jesus treats kids. And what actually brings that into focus more than anything else is when you do a comparison of our culture and how we treat kids with the Greco-Roman culture, the dominant culture of the time. And what brings this aspect into even sharper focus is how the fathers would treat their children. Fathers had the power of life and death. And no example illustrates this more clearly than when a baby was born. A baby would be born. The baby would be brought before the father. The father had two choices. First choice, father could pick up the baby, symbolizing that this baby will live. I accept this baby. I love this baby. This child has the right to live now. Second choice, the father will turn his back the baby. And that represents that the father rejects that child. And that that child is now taken and thrown out to die, to be exposed. And when people saw Jesus bringing the children to him, lifting them up, and when you understand that Jesus represents the father heart of God, that he comes to the lost to the hurting, to those, all of us who were spiritually lost and gone. And that was each and every one of us. Through Jesus Christ, the Father, lift us up in acceptance. But what's even more amazing is when you think about Jesus Christ, who came born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, went all the way through his life ministering, healing, loving, and at the end of his life, Instead of being lifted up by the Father in acceptance, he was lifted up on a cross in rejection so that we could have life. The power of Jesus Christ is in this room today to help you receive God's kingdom. And whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or whether you've been a Christian for two minutes or you don't even know God yet, You have to receive the kingdom as a gift in total dependence and with organic trust. Because remember, there's only one way to receive God's kingdom. Like a baby. Pastor Gil is going to come up and he's going to have some concluding words. Thanks for letting me speak to you guys.
1: Thanks for sharing. What a good word for us today and a a timely word. I think um, in all of our lives, you know, we go through these kind of cycles of taking ownership of the things that God does in our hearts. And at the end of the day, we are nothing apart from him. And we can do nothing without him. And so I want to say one thing and then I want to pray a concluding prayer for our church family and for those that are here today uh, that may need to respond to uh, this word. This coming weekend, we have Starting Point. Starting Point is our spiritual discovery weekend. Some of you have heard about Starting Point, and honestly, you've been on the fence wondering, you know, I've been a Christian for years, or I've been going to church for years. Do I really need a Starting Point? Others of you, this might be your first time hearing about Starting Point. You might be wondering, is it too soon for me to jump in? I'm new to Grace Crossing Church. Is it okay for me to come to an event like that this soon? The answer to both of those questions is, yes, you do. You need starting point. Wherever you are in your spiritual life, in your journey today, I want to urge you to take advantage of becoming like a child, coming back to a starting point with God, letting God speak into your heart afresh and anew, or maybe for the very first time in your heart, getting some traction to your spiritual life. It's a great way for you to do it, Friday night at 7 o'clock, Saturday morning, again, we start at 9 o'clock, go to about uh, noon. We'll get you out before lunch. But uh, your life will be challenged. You'll be enriched. You'll grow. You'll learn. You'll walk away with some really practical, important things that will help you in this spiritual life. I want to pray with you as we close. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And then the band's going to lead us out with a song as we go today. But I want to pray for two groups of people uh, that are here in this auditorium. Uh, The first group I want to pray for is those that might need to make that decision to be a follower of Jesus today. And making that decision means that you've got to become like a child. It's hard to think like a child when you're an adult. But I think today Josh has given us some great principles of how we come to God and how we receive God's kingdom into our hearts, into our lives. The only way to do it is like a baby. The second group of people I want to pray for is those that are here that you have taken responsibility for things in your life. You've taken responsibility instead of depending, trusting, and looking to God. And this morning, you might need a spiritual reset in your life. This morning, I want to pray for both of those groups. And um, as we close this morning, in the seat pocket in front of you is our connection card. The bottom part of that on the back side is a chance for you to communicate to us. If you're here today and you made a decision to cross the line of faith and become a follower of Jesus, you can mark that on the communication card. Drop it in one of our giving boxes before you leave. If you are recommitting your faith, recommitting your trust, Replacing your faith in Christ, you can mark that on there. Or if you need to speak with somebody about your personal life, we want to be here to be a resource and to help you. And so let me pray and let me ask the Lord to to help us this morning. Father, I want to thank you for your word that is so clear but is so difficult, so challenging at times, for us to know how to internalize and respond to it. It's so simple, but it's so difficult to become like a child. And yet, your word is clear that unless we become like children, we can't inherit. We can't see the kingdom of heaven. So for those that are here this morning, Lord, that that are reaching out to you in their hearts and that are placing their faith and their trust in you today, that are saying, I'm willing to just trust you sight unseen. I'm willing to trust you and take you at your word. I'm willing to put my hope in you. I pray, God, today that you will step through eternity and step into their heart today and help them to understand and to know as they leave this auditorium that they are a new creation in Christ, that they are, they are born anew, just like a child. For those of us, God, that need to remind ourselves, that we would have instinctive dependence on you, I pray that you'll help us. If we're going through a a time in our lives, a difficulty, a struggle, and we feel that tension and that wrestling with taking responsibility for things in our lives or just trusting in you, I pray we'll do that. God, may we put our hope and our confidence in you today. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence here. And we thank you again for your word today. In Jesus' name